welcome. It's absolutely fantastic to be here. Who was here last week? Just take a hand up. Okay, a fair few of you. I mean, weren't they testimonies? Absolutely amazing. They were just phenomenal. I loved hearing them. And there were so many. Actually, we had a bit of a theme going on, and maybe just because of the, uh, the talks, but especially around provision and, uh, and the area of jobs. And it was so wonderful to hear a number of people having, um, you know, difficult struggling with, uh, with being out of work, but then being able to share how God was good during that time, how he spoke to them, and then indeed how he's managed to line them up with new jobs. And it was just wonderful just to hear story after story of God's goodness in that place. And uh, in fact, actually, after the service, uh, there was a, a young guy that went out there and met with Andrew Ma. I don't know if he's here today. Um, uh, Mill, sorry, not Ma. Um, and uh, it went out, and, um, and Andrew caught him and was speaking to him about, uh, you know, the service and everything. And the guy was saying how he loved the stories and the testimonies. And Andrew turned to him and said, well, you know, are you a Christian? Do you know Jesus? And the guy goes, well, not really. You know, I used to go to church and started talking about the background a little bit. And, uh, you know, thinking about the afternoon ahead, Andrew just asked him one of the best questions I thought ever. He goes, well, have you got anything better to do? It turns out that that was enough of a question to, to prompt this guy to say, well, actually, I've, I've got nothing better to do. I'll, I'll just follow Jesus then. And so he gave his life to Christ right then and there. I mean, that is wonderful and deserves a round of applause, just so you know. Um, it is wonderful just how, um, how simple it was of just this guy hearing these stories and uh, I love what he said afterwards when I was talking to him. He said, you know, I came here today. I wasn't really sure what I was coming for, but I loved hearing um, that, you know, these people have been through something similar. And more importantly, I love the fact that even though I'm still in that difficult time, that I know I'm not in it alone. And I just love, that was awesome. Fantastic. You see, when the presence of God falls in this place, and indeed falls in general, you know, the, mo- the, the mo- first thing that happens is transform lives. And we see it all the time here. You know, you, you felt it during worship, that, that sense of the presence of God. But the first thing that happens is lives are transformed. And when lives are transformed, you can't help it. You can't contain it. Communities are then transformed as a result. And you can read this in the book of Acts. I mean, it's a great example of this. What started with 120 people following Jesus was suddenly exploded in such a way that thousands Thousands upon thousands ended up transforming the entire Roman Empire and the landscape that it um, covered. This was a human movement like no other. And you see, and there have been lots of attempts um, to really change the world. Um, people have done it, tried to do it through force, and through politics, through subversion, through intellectualism, and nothing compared to and nothing competes with the beautified church radiating the glory of God. It is an absolutely unstoppable force, and the result of it is an utter transformation in the world around us. Inclusivity like never before, equality like no other, a rewriting of public morality, and a real change in the way that things get done. You see, when God's presence fills this place and God's presence just comes and falls in this place, you know, lives are transformed and communities are transformed. You know, we, as I said, are seeing transformed lives, and we got a glimpse of that in our testimonies last week. But I want to ask the question, how do we go beyond that? How do we, you know, go beyond this wonderful experience that is a Sunday, and for months we've just absolutely reveled and enjoyed, um, you know, each other, and this kind of fun and party-like feeling of God just showing up and doing things. I love that. I love Sunday mornings. But I don't know about you, but I want to see it explode outside this building as well. I want to hear stories of workplaces and schools and neighborhoods being transformed with the same power that takes place in here. 
And, uh, and no, there's no better example, as I've already said, of looking back at the early church in Acts 2. So what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm just going to tear this passage apart as best as I can and, uh, and start with Acts 2. Um, so Pentecost had just happened. All the disciples were upstairs in a room. The power, the presence of God fell and transformed them. They, they burst out the door into the street, and they looked like they were going absolutely crazy. And a lot of people just commented to them and said, you guys must be drunk. And their reply was, was not no. It was, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. We haven't even started drinking yet. It's too early. And they just, just were impacted so powerfully. Now, there was a mass confusion around this. So Peter took this opportunity to stand up and explain to the crowds what was happening. And so he started by reminding them of the promise of God and then told them about Jesus, about Jesus whom they crucified. And I love this in verse 24, who God raised, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep his hold on him. I love that, such power. Let me read from verse 36. It'll come up on the screen. Therefore, let everyone be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, whom you rejected, whom you despised, both Lord and Messiah. You see, you thought that he was a nobody. You thought he was a nothing. But actually, let me tell you, he is your king. Now, let me tell you, you, know, you thought he was just a myth, just a legend, just a story that someone told on Sunday mornings. But one day you will kneel before him in judgment. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all, all whom the Lord will, our God will call. And then with many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 people were added to their number that day. It was hugely explosive, hugely uh, transforming. But what actually happened? I love it when it says that word, they were cut to the heart. See, that is it for me. See, these people realized they had been cut by something. In order to be cut by something, that thing needs to be more solid than you are. It doesn't yield to you. You have to yield to it. You see, a knife is solid. A nail is solid. And, uh, you know, a blade is solid. If you try and walk past or just completely ignore it and pretend it's not there, it won't move out the way. It won't break. It will just cut through you. You have to yield to it. You have no choice. And you have to change what you were doing in order to move around it. You see, if you pick up a plank of wood, now I don't do much DIY, so I have little experience on this, but if you pick up a plank of wood and it's got nails in it, you don't just carry on like nothing happened. If you're wise, then you would look, you, you don't just ignore it, you look at it, you find those nails, you see where they are, and you see what you need to do to work around them so you don't get cut. You yield. You see, these people have just experienced something so deep, a cut to the heart, something more solid than them. It was no longer something that they could ignore. They had just encountered something that they would have to yield to. They had to stop where they were, look at what cut them, and then their response was to ask Peter, what do we do? What can we do? 
And now this is amazing, because as they did, as they examined that, the result was explosive. You see, there were 120 uh, followers to start with. There were 3,000 after Pentecost who followed the way, as Christianity was known. And then this is awesome. A couple of days later, maybe, maybe a day later, uh, Peter was going to the temple, and he saw this lame beggar outside, and he prayed for him, and the guy got healed dramatically, and everyone gathered around to find out what was happening. So Peter explains it to them, he explains it to the onlookers, he explains it to other people, and then gets arrested because he's causing a bit of a kind of uh, gathering, and at the end of the day, this is awesome, in Acts 4.4, at the end of the day, there were 5,000 men who believed. This was explosive. And we know historically that this kind of growth, this kind of growth just continued decade after decade after decade until Christianity became the most powerful force in the entire Roman Empire. So how did it go from something that had cut someone to lives being transformed to having that kind of impact? Acts 2.42, this is the nitty gritty as it were. They, the followers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and prayer, and everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone there who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I don't know about you, but I'd love to see that. I'd love to be part of that. And we could spend all day looking at the, um, the practical outworking of that and looking at this passage in depth. And what we'd end up with is, um, is a huge, uh, challenging, and worthy to-do list that would ultimately crush us and would ultimately fall at. Instead, we're just going to take verse 42 and keep it nice and simple and run with it. And what was that? It was really simple. It was just they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. You see, those two things, that's it, just those two things, everything else that followed is a picture of what that looked like in first century AD. And it is inspiring, and we could use it as a template, and it would do us no harm to do so, but it all starts and comes from just two different things, being devoted to the apostles' teaching, which we now have written down as the Bible, and the Word of God. And being devoted to fellowship, devoted to the people of God, the Word of God and the people of God. And everything else flows out of that. So first of all, the Word of God. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the Word of God, the Bible. Now why was this their first reaction? Why did they run to this? What was the answer behind this? It was because they wanted to know what had cut them. How do you know how to yield to something if you don't know what it is that cut you? If you walk through the kitchen and cut your foot on something, how do you know uh, how to tread differently or move differently if you don't know what it was that got you in the first place? In this case, it wasn't what cut them, it was who cut them. The real reason they went to the apostles' teaching, the Bible, was because the teaching was about Jesus. You go to the scriptures in order to know him, in order to find Jesus. I love it in Luke 24, there's this moment where Jesus is walking down uh, with these two men, and these two men are looking pretty down, disheartened, and, and looking quite depressed, and they're kind of just having a conversation with each other, and Jesus appears, and they don't know it's Jesus, they can't tell it's him, and uh, he's kind of in disguise, I guess, um, and, uh, and they're walking down together, and Jesus just turns to them and says, what are you so long-faced about? 
And they're saying, well, have you not heard anything that's been going on in the last few days? And Jesus kind of playfully just says, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And then this is what they say. The things that happened to Jesus the Nazarene. See, he was a man of God, a prophet, dynamic in work and word. Our high priests and leaders betrayed him, got him sentenced to death, and crucified him. And we had our hopes up that he was the one about to deliver Israel. But now, some of our women have completely confused us. No comment. Early that morning, this morning, <laughs> they were at the tomb and couldn't find his body. They came back with the story that they had seen, a vision of angels that said he was alive. And then verse 25, Jesus looked at them and said this, Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. You see, this whole thing, all of the scriptures, they're about him, they point to him, beginning with Moses. What's right at the beginning of Moses? It's the law. You go to the law, and do you know what the law is there for? The law is there to show us that we cannot do it. We will fail. And you need some other provision. And it points to Jesus as you go on to say that he is our provision that has fulfilled the law on our behalf. Romans 7, I love this verse. It says, what a wretched man I am, says Paul. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Well, thanks be to God that who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that's the law. What about ritual? What's the point of those sacrifices, the temples, the tabernacles, the priests? Well, they're all to show us how to approach this almighty, holy God without being utterly destroyed in that moment, which is the absolute response that would happen if we approach God frivolously. But Jesus is the sacrifice. He is the temple or the tabernacle, and he is the priest. The Bible shows us that it's through Jesus that we can come into the presence of God without being destroyed, and instead to be accepted and loved. And then finally, the promises. There's only one person throughout the whole entirety of history that has ever kept their side of the covenant that God made with us, and that's Jesus himself. You see, these promises that were made to Adam, to Abraham, to Moses, Aaron, Phinehas, and David, Jesus alone is the only one, the only faithful prophet, the only faithful priest, the only faithful king who was fully obedient and therefore entitled to inherit all that was promised to him. And he shares it with everyone who comes with him. You see, if we misunderstand, if we look at the scriptures as I do sometimes, and look for great advice and great thoughts and great ideas and great promises and quotable quotables, you know, we completely misunderstand the scripture. You can look at the Bible as a list of rules or morals that we have to obey in order to be saved, but all it will do is absolutely condemn you. But Scripture points to our Savior. Jesus said it himself so beautifully in John 5. You study the Scriptures so diligently because you think that in them you will have eternal life. But these are the very Scriptures that testify about me, and yet you refuse to come to me to have life. The reason why the early church devoted themselves to the Word of God, the apostles' teaching, was because they wanted to know Jesus. They wanted to know who it was that had cut them. They wanted to know who it was that had paved the way for them. And see, there's no way of knowing that you have the real Jesus. There's no way that you are following and living out this word of God unless you're reading this word of God. And living it out is just as important as being devoted to them. 
To become a Christian doesn't mean you just make a couple of changes in your life. You have to yield completely. You have to give up everything to follow Jesus. It is wholly appropriate and right to do so. You act differently. You see the world completely differently, and it has true and profound impact. I love this. Bella had a, uh, my oldest daughter, she had this dream. Um, She's seven years old. She had this dream, and she just came down terrified. And um, and I said to her, uh, kind of, uh, sorry, hit by it, and she came down, and uh, I said, well, what happened? You know, expecting this to be a a very difficult fathering moment. And she said, well, I had this this dream. It was a really bad dream of of a big monster attacking me. And I said, well, what happened? What did you do? And she said, well, I looked it in the eyes and I said, I am the daughter of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you will not hurt me. And then I killed the monster. <laughs> you see, that, that is someone who says, this isn't about a rule book or a great interesting book. That is someone who's met Jesus. And I'm insp- I was inspired by that. I was challenged by that. And I think that is an example of someone who really gets that this is all about Jesus. And that's why we go to the Word, because it changes every way we live and we interact with the world around us. So that's devoted to the Word of God, the Apostles' teaching. And then devoted to the people of God is the next one, the fellowship. There was a small town in Pennsylvania called Rosetta. Now, this was an interesting town, a fascinating town in the entirety of the states, because it had the longest life expectancy that had been recorded. There was something abnormally amazing about this place. So scientists would go and spend time there, research what it was that made this city, this town, so dramatically different from the rest. So they started with all the basics. And it was clear that these guys did not exercise any well, you know, not, not good at all, let alone better than the rest of the country. Their diet was full of red meat and fatty food, so it definitely wasn't that. They were smoking and drinking just as much as the rest of the states. And, uh, and they literally just looked on the surface. And all the things that our dietitian would say, is, these are the best ways, uh, they, just checked, they, they just missed all the boxes. And yet they still continued to have the longest life expectancy. It didn't take long for them to realize what the defining factor was for this town. And it was this, that these were a bunch of Italian immigrants, and they were aware that the rest of the country was different from they were. And so what happened is they ended up gelling so closely and getting connected so much closer and caring, genuinely caring about each other so much more than the rest of the country were doing in their neighborhoods. These deep relationships were the defining difference. And that's what they realized was giving them the longest life expectancy. Now, come to the 90s, and uh, and the same town was researched again. By this point, industrialization had made its mark, and people had left and moved on. and, uh, And the remaining people had embraced this new way of life. People no longer knew each other down the street. They no longer talked uh, deeply and profoundly and connected with each other in that kind of same way. And as a result, the life expectancy just plunged down to average. There was something tremendously powerful about that real connection. Now, there is something powerful when people come together and do life together and connect on a deeper level. But there was something exceptional that happened when Christians devoted themselves to fellowship. You see, everyone who believed, and it says this as as we read the passage, everyone who believed were together. They met everywhere They weren't just confined to a Sunday morning. They were in the temple courts. They were in homes. They were in businesses. And they continued to meet all the time, not just some of them, but all of them. And whenever they got together, as it says in verse 43, there was a great sense of awe, a sense of God's presence. 
Now, I'm not a massive fan of the word fellowship. It feels a bit like Christian jargon to me. But have you noticed that the word community does not exist in that entire passage? In fact, there's only once that the NIV translates the word community, and it's in Acts 25. And all it refers to is a big crowd or a multitude. That's how it's often translated. Community is just not enough. There's something very specific and profound about fellowship. So I think, I mean, just thinking about this, I can think of three defining factors of fellowship. For me, it's a new, inclusive loving generation. Let me explain this. First of all, inclusive. See, you can be part of a car community. You can be part of an eco community. You can be part of a comic community or even a running community. You are part of it because you have something in common. But Christianity can include them all. You see, remember people at this time at Pentecost, people were from all nations when they came to Pentecost. Many cultures, many languages, many orientations, many likes, many dislikes, Many personality types. Everyone was there. And as an essence of true fellowship is that inclusivity. You see, all are welcome. See, among Christians, this is crazy, but you know, on a Sunday morning, for example, you can get a vegan having a conversation with a butcher. You can get a Man United fan praying for a Man City fan. You can get a professor learning from a school dropout. You can get an addict confiding to a police officer. You see, our differences are completely left at the door, and all of us come in with one purpose, that is to encounter and meet with Jesus. And we do that together. There is no place like church. There is no place like those communities and those gatherings. So that's inclusive. Second one is loving. Now, we had got fish recently. I don't know if anyone's done this, but this was our way of saying, that's it, no more kids. We've got fish now. And... um, and it was really wonderful to start with. We had four lovely fish, and one of them died, and that was sad. And one of our daughters cried because she was the one that named it. And then we got some more. Now, this is where we went a bit morbid because one of them was clearly homicidal. And rather than having to explain death to a kid, we had to explain serial killers and various other things. Uh, it was ugly, really ugly. But uh, one of them that died was our, one of our, uh, our middle daughters, um, and she had named it Batman, of course. And, um, and she would, you know, tell everyone about it. She would talk about it. She had named it. And when it died, I, I caught her and I sat her down. And I said, um, I've got some bad news for you. Batman's died. Now, there were a number of ways she could have responded, and I did not expect this one. I don't care. I was like, what? What do you mean you don't care? You named him. You, you cared for him. You showed everyone about him. This is Batman. I, mean, I don't care. Why don't you care? She said, well, I love my life. Batman's not part of my life. That's harsh, right? We've, we've got some other issues going on in the house. <laughs> now, that's an extreme example of just being disconnected from other people or other things. You know, I love my life, but I'm just not interested in other people's. Um, but when you're a part of a group, when you're part of a, a gathering, it, God calls us to be involved in every aspect, to genuinely love other people. In the same way, now this is the difference, in the same way that you have been loved by Jesus. See, we don't do this out of our own energy. We don't do this out of our own ideals. We do this, as it says in John 13, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. See, our love for other people comes from the love that we've received from God himself. See, when we do this, we truly experience life with other people. 
We welcome new babies. We stand with those who battle with infertility. We comfort someone who's lost their job. We support a couple on the verge of divorce. We celebrate someone who makes the decisions for Jesus. You know, I loved last week and during the baby dedications, there was a, a couple that said, you know, we're part of a connect group and, and, uh, and one of the most amazing things happened when we had our baby is that people started bringing us food, willing cooks, and they suddenly felt like they were part of something. That, that genuine love was coming through. Or later on when we were hearing the testimonies, someone talked about their, uh, their group being an absolute rock, a solid support through their job loss. And then the, celebrating, the, the people who celebrated with them when they were offered a new role. Okay, little demonstration. So, pint glass. It's empty, unfortunately. But this is you. This is you, your one hand, okay? And this is your life. So you can hold your life, and if you're standing by yourself, then you've got enough grip. Everything is in your life. You've got your work, you've got your family, you've got those things you care about, your passions, your hobbies, everything that interests you. You've got hold of it. Now, that's good. You've got hold of your life, right? But there's literally no room for you to take on capacity for anything else. And that's what holds us back most of the time. It's got, I haven't got room in my life for other people. You see, there's someone else that comes along, and then they hold up their life. And now they've got their life and they're stuck with that. So you've got two people, separate, all holding their lives. Now the interesting thing is, is when they come together, there is a possibility of helping one another. It does involve you laying down your life and to help someone carry theirs. That's a good thing. That's, that's a good thing, that is. But God didn't create us to do life with just one other person. He created us to do it as a group, as a community, as a gathering. And see, there's something tremendous that happens when you bring your lives together. A third life enters a situation, but this person is really struggling. Do you put down your life? Do you say, I'm too busy? There's something amazing that happens. And if you know this, if you go to a bar, you can suddenly carry the other life. You see, this is the... Thank you. This is the amazing thing, is you can do this. And imagine more hands. Imagine more lives, more people. Imagine this next time you go to the bar. This is profound. <laughs> um, and this is what God has created us to do. I mean, he says it so well in Ecclesiastes. He says this, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up, while a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You see, God has created us to live with other people. So the first thing is inclusive. The second thing is uh, love, and the third thing is generation. You see, finally, when the people of God devote themselves to fellowship, they create a whole new generation. Peter cried this out in verse um, 40. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. You see, that generation that you're part of, that is dead. You know, to create a new community is Jesus as our obsession is just too weak and ideal. It must be more than even a new society Jesus has called us to create a whole new generation. What defines your generation? Are you Generation X? Are you Generation Y, Millennial? Are you Generation Z or Z? Now, this is a crazy thing. Generation Z. These guys, um, overtly, oh, sorry, overtly tolerant, no belief in authority, and get this, an attention span of eight and a half seconds. By comparison, a fish's attention span is nine seconds. We have finally hit the moment where we have less attention span than fish. That's worrying, right? But anyway, beyond that, to become a Christian doesn't mean you just make a couple of changes in your life. You look at everything new. 
You no longer say, well, I can't do that because, or I, I can, I'm doing it this way because, uh, because I'm young, or because I'm old, or because I'm rich, or because I'm poor, because I'm a man, or because I'm a woman, or because of whatever it is. We no longer use that as an excuse. You see, that's the old way of thinking. That's the old life. You've been reborn. You come, from a gener- you come out of your generation and into a brand new one. We're one that is led and described and motivated and empowered by the Word of God and lived out in the fellowship of God. You see, fellowship is inclusive, loving because we have experienced the love of God, and it is a whole new generation. And because of this, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So that's what God calls us to do. So you say, I've been cut to the heart. I've experienced the presence of God. There is something profound that has grabbed me. What do I do now? How do I grapple with the Bible beyond Sunday? I don't even know where to start reading it. And every time I do, it just looks like a whole bunch of words and I get tired. How do I do that? Another question we often hear is, I want to learn to others. And I want to be loved like you're describing. But how do I do that in a church this size? It's hard to connect. You know, we have some crazy good pastors. I mean, Trevor and Mel and so many others. And they are awesome if you get to spend time with them. But there's no way they can personally minister to the entire church. They just don't have the capacity. But what we do have is a whole whole number of people that are hungry to know Jesus, just as eager to be part of fellowship and well supported by the leadership, who have opened their homes for you and anyone who wants to join them to join that cause. And we call them connect groups. And that's how we do it in this church. And they take place throughout the region, and they take place throughout the week. In fact, as I said at the beginning, the very reason why Mark is not here today is because he's with his connect group, Tentin, um, and with his family connect group. And they and their families are just having an absolute wonderful time. You see, Sunday services are an awesome opportunity, a great chance to get together, but they will never replace true fellowship. You see, in groups, you are open to God's word. You discuss the issues and challenges of life. You pray together. You care for one another. And unlike Sundays where you can walk in and walk out completely unnoticed if you're good enough and clever enough, um, in connect groups, you are genuinely noticed. You are genuinely appreciated. And you are genuinely missed if if you're not there. Now, you may already be... Um, in a huddle, you may be meeting with some people and praying with them and studying the Word of God and doing life together. And if you are, that's fantastic. I don't want to pull you out of that and try and put you in a connect group. Uh, what I want to say to you, though, is that we have truly amazing pastoral network. We have some fantastic resources. We write questions based on the Sunday uh, sermons every single week, and these are available to you. So if you want support in that group, if you want someone to lean on, not just support for you, but also support support for the individuals when that need goes beyond that group, then let me know, and I'd love to come alongside you and support you. But if for those of you who are not connected in that way, if you're looking for a place to devote yourself to the Word of God with other people, then I would love to take a moment, a brief moment, to introduce you to some of the types of groups that we have and to some of our group leaders. So, uh, where's the mic? Can I grab that? So first of all, can I invite Greg and Rachel up? Now, we had a whole bunch more for the uh, 9.30 service, but um, it turns out most of our Connect Group leaders are 9.30 leaders, and they need to go home. But these guys are here. Give them a huge round of applause. Come on up. So Greg and Rachel, and uh, we had Alex and Yvonne, and there's a whole bunch of other groups 
these guys have been meeting for uh, since 2016, I think it is. Um, and so they've been doing this every week and, um, and just faithfully making this place for fellowship in the church. First of all, how did you guys start? Um, yeah, so basically, me and Rachel were in a connect group originally, um, and loving it. And uh, basically, it all kind of starts with uh, Richard, actually. I don't know if you've ever had conversations or been persuaded by Richard to do things. He's very good at it. Uh, it's more of a subtle just saying, you should start a connect group. And then it was from there onwards, and I was thinking, oh, should I or... But I really like my connect group. I don't want to leave it. And it was for like months and months and a little hint here and there. And uh, so I kind of started praying about it. And 10 years before we started it, um, I, I did a connect group many years ago. So I had a bit of experience, but I was a bit like, oh, I don't know if I want to do it again. Um, so after lots of prayer, um, basically I looked in the connect group and then Rachel was uh, in the cadet group, and uh, she had some great qualities, and one of them was uh, doing a discussion and leading, although she's very shy at the moment, not talking, she is a great talker. Um, <laughs> so uh, basically, it kind of really kind of complimented from that, because I generally kind of sometimes find it quite terrifying leading a whole discussion or doing the theology part, uh, where Rachel was really good, so it kind of went from there. And then in September, it's been nearly about three, three years. So. I, I do love the way that Greg comments on Rachel's great qualities. Because um, what happened shortly after they started leading the Connect Group, they started dating. And so those qualities went way beyond leading the Connect Group. I loved it. What's a blessing as well. <laughs> and they still continue. That's wonderful. Um, Greg, can you share a memorable moment from your group experience? Uh, yeah, so with kind of our connect group, obviously we do the questions that Richard and even Joe Carhill, if he is here, massive shout out to him for doing the questions, yeah. really good. Uh, we do follow that as well. It's a great resource for connect groups, but we also do our own thing as well. Um, so we looked at a series that Louis Giglio uh, did called Goliath Must Fall. Um, and with that whole series, it's basically about kind of Goliaths in your life that you're struggling with. Um, and essentially just trying to put them down. Um, so great teaching, but very challenging and quite open. Um, and so with this series, I uh, had different topics on certain things, and me and Rachel decided to split into kind of guys and uh, girls kind of groups afterwards and pray and kind of just be really open with each other, be honest about things we struggle with. Um, and I kind of personally felt really encouraged at that point and even as a leader, just to be open with them. And we're all just in this together. It's not about they're the leaders of this. You know, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, and mm -hmm. so we should all be open with one another. Um, and it was, yeah, it was just kind of really special for me uh, personally. And so that, you know, I'm not alone with these struggles that I can go through. So. That's fantastic. Also in the uh, 9.30, Alex and Yvonne, who lead a group in St. Albans, they shared the story of um, how they meet once a month to, to eat and pray, I think, as, as they described it. And uh, one of the times their group member was quite ill, and um, so they thought we could pray together. But someone had the, an idea in the group to say, well, why don't we, like, FaceTime them? And uh, so the whole group were gathered around praying for the person over the... Um, over FaceTime or whatever it was. And, uh, and as they were praying, um, the person just felt so loved in that moment. Now, she had not been responding to medication, but she texted them very enthusiastically the next day to say, I'm starting to respond to this medication. And it just continued to continue as she got better. 
And so there's something really profound about those memorable moments. And I love that one you shared, Greg, about actually just being real with each other and, and actually knowing that people are there and got your back for it. Um, and you get loads, have loads of socials, I understand. Top Golf is a, is a regular place. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask these guys to step aside for a second because I'm going to invite some other people up. These guys are leading the Connect Group. But we also, um, we, as I said, we have a whole number of uh, what we could say standard Connect Groups, people that meet um, every week or so, and, uh, and they're just open to everyone. But we also have specialist Connect Groups, people that meet for a specific purpose. Could I invite Cheeto and Bruce up? Um, and there, again, if you were here on the 9.30, we also had, um, uh, well, Cheeto's wife was the start. It's just male-oriented at the moment. But we also had uh, a group that was focused on uh, new Christians. And uh, uh, <laughs> I love it. Uh, and, and new Christians and Alpha. So they, they host this group. <laughs> no, no, this is fun. Um, <laughs> I'll come back to that. First and foremost, tell us about your group. Um, hi. Um, hi. So um, I run a connect group called Business Club, and I run it with Tim and John Griggs, who I didn't shout out in the first. Oh, okay. Yep. He's over there. Um, hey, John. And um, it's all started about 10 years ago when I sat down with Tim over breakfast and shared my business plan with him, and he looked at me and said, it's not going to work. Um, and so I didn't do my business plan. Um, and about a month later, I met with him again to review his business plan. And I told him, it's not going to work. Um, <laughs> sadly for him, because it was a really good business plan. But uh, anyway, ever since then, we've been meeting and we've, we've grown uh, the group now. And it's, we have around about 20, 25 uh, people come along um, first and third Mondays of the month. We also have something called work place, yep. which is the Facebook business um, app, so that we can hook up with each other during the week. And the whole point of Business Club is to help us, people in business, to be able to grow his kingdom. Because you know, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus and give him thanks to God through him. So you know, we're called to, to, to walk the talk regardless of where we are walking. So, mm. And business is sometimes hard. It's hard to work out how to express your faith in a business, and business environment. And so that's what we do. And we do it, you know, we do it because we need it. You know, we're, not, we're the leaders, but we, um, we need as much. We need the guidance. Uh, so that's, that's, that's Business awesome. Club. And we're doing, tomorrow night, we're doing something called FAB, Faith and Business. So if you're around, 7.45 um, in the Fuse Room tomorrow evening. Awesome. I love that comment, and I quoted it in the first one, about um, you saying that actually we do this because we need it. And it's not so much about trying to provide something for the rest of the church. Actually, you and Tim are going to meet up anyway and pray these things, or why not just invite some other people along? Absolutely fantastic. Thank you. And Cheeto, what's your group about, and why do you do it? Yeah, so our group is, uh, as the breed, as uh, Richard has described, is the Family Connect Group, which is basically a connect group that... Um, bring your children and other children, your children, get together and hang out, really, in God's presence. Um, we got here because we joined the church about five, six years ago, my wife, Eka, and I, and we were looking for a, a connect group, but they all started eight o'clock in the evening during the week, and we had children, we had to do school the next day, babysitting was a bit of a problem, and so we thought, actually, wouldn't it be great if... Um, there's a, like a connect group that 
everyone comes with their children, so there's no need to worry about babysitting. And um, I think a, a couple, John and Emma Day, um, also had an idea, and they did a taster day, and we we turned up at a taster day and um, decided that that's what we do. So that's how we got into running the Family Connect group. Um, I've got to say about Cheeto and Eka's group is that they do serve food very well. So these guys meet on a Saturday morning once a month, and it is a buffet and a half. It is so worth going to. Um, we have about, I think it's about five or six Family Connect groups. And as Judy was saying, it really is to meet that need of saying, well, actually, you know, it, to get out in the evening, babysitter and everything else was just becoming a mission for a lot of people. And so John never had this idea, well, why don't we just meet on a Saturday, get some other families around? And it was just a huge success. So we've put on some taster days following that a couple times a year where anyone who's interested in joining those, that kind of connect group, family connect group, can come, gather, and we form groups out of that. Um, and as you can imagine, once you've got three or four families and you've got eight or so adults and you've got about 20 kids, um, it does start to get pretty full. And so, uh, so they, uh, unfortunately, they're not open, but we start them after every taste day. The next one is um, in a few months' time. So, and what I love about um, uh, Bruce's group is actually out of it. So, um, I mean, it's a fantastic need for people um, who are wanting to, um, to lean into Jesus, and they pray throughout the week, and they support each other throughout the week. But there was someone, Sue, um, who loved the group, but she also really wanted to focus on those who were who, not just in senior positions, but those who were administrators administrators and cleaners and um, you know, service checkout, all those kind of things, and says, well, how do you get faith into your workplace? You may not be able to make any decisions that affect the organization, but how do I live out um, with Jesus in that place? And so they meet um, in Harpenden, and they come out of these guys. And I think there's, there's so much of an opportunity for different groups in different settings. Um, uh, the other couple of uh, family we had up in the 9.30 uh, were Piers, Kathy, and uh, Paul, and they started a group straight out of Alpha, where they, they knew that for new Christians, it was so hard for them to jump straight into another Connect group. So they gave them this kind of stepping stone and said, well, you know us, and let's meet together and pray together, and, uh, and we'll open God's Word and do this together. So I love that. I love the variety of groups. Let me just introduce you to one other uh, group as well. It's Carlton and Sue. If you guys could come up. There they are. Woo. Thank you, guys. Nice. Now, these guys uh, represent a, another group of, of groups, which are they're relatively new. So we've got um, them that started six months or less, and we've also got another Connect group starting in um, September that's specifically for young uh, professionals, people who uh, are, have their own business and, and really wanted to connect and pray um, in that kind of era. But tell us, guys, why did you start a group? Um, we start, started a group. Um, good afternoon. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> um, yeah, we started a connect group. We were part of a uh, a marriage connect group with uh, that was run by uh, Othniel and Joy, and uh, Joy helped out in the uh, Vengeland. And um, yeah, it was very good. It was a six-week course, and then sort of not long after that, I, I suppose, but probably about six months a year after that, something. Like that, um, Joy. Sort of mentioned it to us. Said, "I think you two should start start a connect group." A couple of other people said the same, and yeah. then, oh, me again. Yeah, <laughs> up popped Richard and said, "I think the same." So we then prayed about it, and uh, and yeah, we we said, um, "Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll go along." And it's been it's been it's been great for us. It's been great for 
the other members as well because um, you do feel connected and things happen in life. You know, things happen in life where it's good to talk and it's good to talk to like-minded yeah. people, Christian people who understand faith, you know, et cetera, et cetera, um, rather than just, I don't know, talking to a work buddy who would probably stir it up a little bit more if it's the wrong kind of subject. You know, Actually, Sue, yeah. you've got an interesting story of someone that was affected by the group. Sorry, Carlton, you're going to have to let don't go of the mic. Don't tell him. Let go, man. Carlton's awesome, but yeah, he likes, he likes to share his heart. Yeah. <laughs> go on. Um, yeah, we had, um, I think we'd, we'd been running about, about four months. Um, and it's awesome, actually, because our older children come and join as well. So it really has helped us as a family, too. Um, but we got a message from one of our members, which really touched us because, you know, yes, it is for us and it, and it is for anybody that wants to come along. But you just, you, you like to hear that confirmation from God that you're going in the right direction and that you're meeting the needs of everybody because it's, it's a mishmash. You know, God's kingdom is a mishmash. So um, we got a message from somebody just saying that they've never felt um, part of a group or connected or valued mm. um, the way that they did, which really for us meant something yeah. um, because it means that God's in it. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a great confirmation to hear that. Fantastic. Oh, and also, just to say, we're in Watford as well, so a lot of people, Hemaway, seem to be finding us. I just thought I'd mention it because I think we're the only one out that way, so if anybody didn't know. So there is a, actually a group in Hemel, um, oh, Raphael, who was up I'm here. Sorry, Hemel group. Yeah, they, they meet on a Saturday night, actually, which is quite dramatic, but oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, so um, could it, you guys, could you all fit on the stage somehow? So uh, what I love is there's such a range of groups. So we've got about 35 or so groups at the moment. There is so much room and space for more. So, you know, maybe you've been around church for a while and, um, and actually think, well, you could gather a couple of people and just start doing this. And then do it and we'll support you and just make sure you have everything you need. Uh, I, I want to bless these guys who are serving and sacrificing and giving. And, uh, and, and these are fantastic faces to make you go. Actually, Connect groups can be so easy and approachable. Uh, bless you guys as you've just started. And there's a few other groups that are, are about to start. But why don't we uh, stand up and raise a hand to these guys and, and pray for them on behalf of all the other Connect groups that are going to take place in this place. Um, let's do that. Father, I want to say thank you so much for the life that bobbles up in this church. We are hungry for you. And Lord, we, are, we want to um, follow and trust and, and, and just embody ourselves in that Word of God. And Lord God, we want to be devoted just as equally to fellowship. And as these guys have made themselves available, they've committed their, their home, their living spaces, or whatever it is, and their time, Lord God, to making you known and to supporting and walking with other people. And Lord, I know that you've blessed them through it as much as you've blessed other people through it. And may they just continue to hear wonderful stories of you just breaking out and answering prayers and meeting. And Lord, for, for these guys and for everyone else who leads a Connect group, Lord, we ask that you would watch over them. You would continue to speak to them. You've given that sensitivity uh, to your whisper. And Lord, uh, they would just see your uh, actions and they would just follow it, Lord, in everything they do. And bless all those who are in their group and all those who are in groups, Lord God, as they truly discover that word and fellowship of, um, and people of God. We ask a blessing on them in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Give these guys a, a huge round of applause. Thank you so much.
Wonderful. So just in terms of closing, I, uh, I did email a few other Connect groups as well. And, and um, Amy from Rise, she gave this great example of a lady who had just been not able to get to Connect groups for a long time, busy, life, work, etc. Uh, the one cup, as it were. Um, and, she, um, and she invited her and she came along to her Rise Connect group. And she uh, said as she left, she goes, um, I, she was bawling her eyes out, which is not necessarily a good advertise, uh, bawling her eyes out, and she left feeling 10 foot tall and a whole heap lighter. And that is a real impact of once you get around other people. And all you need to do if you're checking it out is just to join in, to show up, to join in, and to be real, and just let God at work. So let me pray. Father, I want to say thank you for these wonderful guys, and Father, for the, the real move, the real presence that you're just pouring out amongst this place. And Lord, we ask you to bless us and keep us, that you would make your face shine upon us and be gracious to us, and that you would lift up your countenance upon us and, be, uh, and, and your goodness and your grace. And everyone said, Amen.